0: Hello, and welcome to the Motion E podcast. I'm Stuart Garlick, and I'm back and charged up for a new year and a new season of electric vehicle and electric motorsport content. In this first edition of a new season of podcasts, I'll be talking to Norman Nato, Venturi's new Formula E signing to replace Felipe Massa. Before and after that interview, I'm talking to motorsport journalist Aurora Delali about Venturi's hopes for the new season and beyond. Um, As we've got an interview with Norman Nato, the new Venturi driver in Formula E, coming up in just a moment. Uh, And uh, we'll hear from you before and after that interview. But uh, first of all, we were talking before the recording about uh, where Venturi um, are at the moment, where they were last season. Um, They slipped back a bit last season compared to the previous season. Uh, And I I just wonder where you think they are in terms of performance and where they could be this season.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me again, Stuart. Um, Yeah, when it comes to Venturi, actually, uh, my opinion kind of shifts um, as the races go by and as the seasons went by. Um, The thing with them is that I think they've shown, of course, the pace and performance. They've had podiums, they've had wins. Um, you know they they have been uh, in the in the podium fight most of the time. The problem with them is, I in my opinion at least, consistency. Uh, like we've seen some incredible performance by both Edo Mortara and uh, Felipe Massa. Um, But they've never quite had, you know, the kind of right package that allows you to fight for the podium and fight for the win every single time, which is, you know, what eventually makes um, a team a champion uh, and a driver a champion. Uh, So for the next season, to be honest, I think this season will be very complicated for uh, Formula E in general for a a various number of reasons. Of course, uh, we we know that, um, you know, financial limitations and restrictions um, coming from the COVID-19 situations will, of course, impact and influence the 2021 season as well. It's also like um, a season in which I think Formula, uh, Formula E will be even more under public scrutiny and under the public eye because, of course, it's actually turning into an FIA-sanctioned world championship. So the, the pressure uh, upon the drivers is even more than it used to be. And it's already a very competitive uh, championship, of course. So I really don't think that Venturi will have... In 2021, you know, we'll be able to do the the step forward that I think is needed to compete at the moment with, uh, you know, the the front runners of Formula E. So we've seen Tichita, we've seen Audi, uh even BMW at some point, and uh, especially consistently during the past season. So I really don't think they're at the point now uh, where they can be seen as, you know, actual championship and title contender. Um, but I expect them to, to step up their game nonetheless in, uh, in 2021. Also, thanks to the addition of Norman Nato. Like, if you ask him, if you ask me, in my opinion, of course, Felipe Massa has been an invaluable contribution to the team because a driver with so much experience uh, and, you know, incredible racecraft and also like a, a personal connection with uh, the team manager, Susie Wolff, Uh, is always good for the team but we know how competitive and challenging formulary can be and I don't think that Felipe actually adapted completely to it and I don't know why but I get the feeling that uh, Norman Nato will be able to do so
0: So uh, you're at uh, Venturi's uh, HQ in Monaco there then, yes?
2: Yes, exactly. Like, uh, we've been uh, working on the, on the seat for Season 7 since yesterday. So this morning I was uh, still working with the mechanics, like, like the like, so mm-hmm. last details, and this afternoon I, uh, I'm uh, handling the simulator. All
0: right. And um, maybe we can begin by talking about the simulator because um obviously as a reserve driver in formula e um all of the reserve drivers spend a lot of their time in the simulator um partly due to the lack of track testing time but also because it's just the most valuable way to get information to the race drivers um how transferable do you think the information that you get as a driver from the simulator is to well the season you're going to have on the racetrack coming up
2: well uh to be honest, yeah, it's always difficult like to replicate exactly the same condition, especially with the uh, with the street circuits where the grip is involving massively, depending as well of the temperature the, and of the track and everything. So it's it's never easy to replicate as uh hundred percent like it is in reality, but it's for sure like uh, and, uh it's mandatory in a uh in formula uh, to have a simulator like um, we develop. We use a lot of simulator to develop uh, the system uh, to get ready for the race weekend. For example, someone like me as a rookie, I have a lot to learn in terms of procedure for the race weekend. You know, it's not on the back to, to drive. And uh, this time in uh, there's a lot to play with the steering wheel and to know about the system. So the simulator is quite important for this kind of aspect.
0: But uh, you you said you were a rookie. I mean, in one sense, of course, you are because you've not yet driven a race in Formula E. But in another sense, you're much more experienced than many of the people who've come into the sport. Uh, Do you not think that that gives you something of an advantage because you have this relationship with Venturi and you also know the Gen 2 car very, very well at this stage?
2: Well, uh, for sure, it's an advantage to... The fact that I've been working with for, the, for the team for two years, you know, like I don't have to spend uh, time with people just to know them better. I mean, this is something really important to you know all your team, all your mechanics, to have like, the same language. The communication is very really important. And for sure, this is something like for me it's clear because I've been working with them. Most of them are French. So, on this aspect, for sure, it's an advantage. On the other hand, I only drove the car in reality two times for the OTJs in Marrakech, So, this year and last year, so obviously i don't have a lot of in the car yet so that's why i am uh, saying i'm a rookie because i uh, I'm never raced in formula yet and for me to be able to be quick and fast for one lap it's something really different than being able to manage the energy to uh, avoid mistakes uh, all the way along during the championship so so that's why when you arrive uh, in formula as a rookie it's it's never easy even if you're able to show some good taste in qualifying what is difficult, I think, for culture is to be consistently, like, in the points.
0: Um, I want to take take you back to the rookie test, if I can, in uh, Marrakesh, because uh, obviously that was. Um, a, a very important test for you because it gave you track time in the car and also for the team because they got to see how you would operate not only in the simulator but also uh, over something that you know, simulated a race weekend. Um, Looking back, how important do you think that rookie test was for you in terms of getting the drive? And also, uh, can you maybe talk us through how it felt to actually set off on a first, you know, really aggressive lap in a Formula E car, uh, actually on track as opposed to in the simulator? How different is the the on-track experience to the simulator experience?
2: Uh, yes, it's quite important to to get some uh, track time, especially when you're a reserve driver, because like you have to be ready for any situation. Like if, for example, another two driver cannot uh, cannot drive for any reason, you have to be ready and deliver the best you can. And for sure, like if he, if you never drove the car before or anything <laughs> like that, it's quite difficult to to use hundred percent of the capacity of the car. And uh, also like in my case as a reserve driver in the past uh, if you want to develop the soft and help the two drivers uh, for the simulator like uh, my job was to put everything ready uh, at least when they were for this weekend like the thermal uh, degradation was on the cars. Uh, the tire model was already, as in reality, I would say. And it was part of my job to do this kind of thing. So if you don't have a feel with a real car, you cannot really do it. So that's why it was important to have some track time. And uh, jumping in the car at Marrakesh uh, was, I would say, not a surprise this year. It was more a surprise last year, as it was really my first time in a Formula A car. And I didn't really know what to expect. This year, I would say everything was a bit easier. Uh, the simulator, uh, the preparation we did for Marrakesh was quite good because when I jumped in the car, I felt sweat quite comfortable in the car. And uh, for sure, as I say, like depending on the grip of the track and everything, it's really difficult to replicate in the simulator. But in terms of braking point and this kind of thing it was quite realistic, so it was for sure a good help.
0: One thing a lot of people say when they step into a Formula E car for the first or second time, or at least for for their early tests, is that it's uh, quite difficult to control a Formula E car compared to the other Formula cars they've driven. Uh, Partly because of it being heavier, and partly because of the uh, road tyres that, or the road style tyres that are used in. Formula E. Um, how much was your experience like that? Uh, did you find it heavy and difficult to control compared to the other cars you've driven in your career?
2: Well, the weight of the car, to be honest, is not so much of a problem like, because I drove some GT cars. I'm developing as well a nitrogen car, which is much heavier than a Formula E. So the weight was not really a surprise for me. It's more yeah, the, uh, the fact that you have really like a little amount of downforce and I'm used to drive cars with downforce. And uh, the same for the tires, as you mentioned, like this kind of tire are really limited in terms of grip. So when you arrive, yeah, you feel like you have no grip. Uh, everything, like, it's more difficult, in fact, to drive. You have the the regen as well. When you're braking, the car is quite moving. And uh, this kind of thing is something you need to get used to it when you jump in the Formula E car. That's why, like, it's quite important to, to, to drive the simulator uh, uh before because you the brake shape you're doing this in a formula e car is quite different than what you're doing in an mp1 for example or with, or with a single city or like a formula 2 or whatever so to be honest yeah simulator in formula e, it's like a really big help for the drivers and uh, also for the engineers because we're spending a lot of times in the simulator not only for driving but also like for the teams to understand things and to, to make like uh, to try to to get some performance out of it, and this won't be possible without the simulator because we are quite limited with the amount of uh, testing we can do. So thanks to the simulator, we can do a lot of things.
0: Uh, you mentioned as well that uh, you you've been driving in LMP one for the past season, and um, I I would imagine that. Uh, uh, thanks partly to uh, your team doing a brilliant job and part uh, partly, I'm sure you'll admit to the balance of performance, you you had uh, actually a car capable of winning in that rebellion and um, you, you did a brilliant job yourself with Bruno Senna as well. So I, I want to get a sense of uh, how it felt to be in a relatively small team compared to obviously Toyota but to be competing and, well, getting those two wins as well uh, in the last uh, WEC season. Was it a surprise and um, also what was it like to, uh, to, be, to be actually claiming wins with Rebellion?
2: Well, yes, it's a really good point to be honest. When uh, For me, I'm quite new in endurance. I was like, it's only my second season and uh before that i was driving an mp2 so just making the step to an mp1 uh was obviously like something quite big because like the change for example at le mans you were lapping lap time of 14 when lmp2 it's uh, 24 so it's 10 seconds on lap so just in terms of pure driving it's it's totally different and uh, also the way you walk and everything everything is more professional and, uh, yeah, in terms of result, to be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, as you say, like we were fighting against Toyota. Uh, we don't have the same amount of budget. Uh, we are not a manufacturer. So, yeah, I didn't like at the beginning of the season. For me, the most important was to avoid mistakes, to learn, and to, to deliver the best I could and to show what I'm a- capable of and uh, to be able to adapt to lmp mp1 as quick as possible and that's what i did and uh, thanks to bruno as well say now which uh, has a lot of experience and uh, he has a uh, endurance mentality which is quite important so for me it's been quite easy to 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 get uh, to get uh, part of the team straight away because uh, uh, when rebellion like they decided to to replace uh, one of the drivers for this car uh, we only got one day at Barcelona and we went straight to the first race. So we uh, we did no testing at all. And uh, during the season was the same. We only did one day. So it was two days at the end of testing during the season, which is nothing. And uh, at the end, we showed that for sure the balance of performance helped but uh, we showed at Le Mans that it was not only the balance of performance because obviously at Le Mans, uh, Toyota were free. We were free as well. And uh, we showed that in qualifying, for example, we were only four tenths off. And during the race, we've been pushing them, pushing them quite a lot. Uh, till mid-race, we were only two lap downs. We, and then we got some brake problem. And the was a, was, a, was a bit of a problem at some point of the race. So we had to, to calm down to make sure to go to the end. And... Obviously, to finish second at Le Mans and to split the two Toyotas was for us like a great result. Like uh, when you see that Toyota, as I mentioned, like with the budget they have and everything, they are able to do some testing. They did uh, 35 uh, hours of uh, testing before Le Mans uh, just to get ready. And, you know, for sure, it's a big advantage. So uh, we did a pretty good job, to be honest. Like uh, for sure, as I said, balance of performance helped, but not only like the car uh, behaved quite well. Uh, we kept improving the car, doing no no testing. So this is something which was great and it means that the team were working uh, really well.
0: And um, I, be, bef- before, before I come back to Formula E, because uh, I'm really interested in how your uh, WEC experience will transfer to Formula E, I, I want to ask you first, you, you mentioned Bruno Senna and what a good teammate he was for you uh, in that car. Um, I feel with Bruno, uh, he's always been underrated as a driver because obviously of the family name. People expected him to be a three-time world champion when actually his qualities are somewhat different. And I wonder, um, do you feel he's underrated because he is an excellent endurance driver? He is capable of banging out those laps every single time and he is very consistent. Uh, Do you feel that maybe he deserves more credit for his career than he's maybe had from the media, for example? Well,
2: yeah. To be honest, to to have a name as Senna is not something I think which is easy. At some point, for sure, it helped in his career. But at some point, it's like a heavy weight on your shoulders, like to have a name like Senna or Schumacher or even alesi These kind of names, it's it's not it's not easy at some point. And uh, yeah, for sure, some people are uh, maybe they criticize at some points what he did in his career. But like there's always people who are uh, trying to find like the small problem where where there is not i i have huge respect for Bruno uh, some people like for example they they don't like lewis hamilton like and at the end this guy is, is is a legend like what he's doing today it's just incredible and as soon as he make a mistake or something some people are ah, you see but now he's not focused so it's part of the it's part of the media some people like you are free to think whatever they want but like i have huge respect for for bruno and uh, also for felipe massa for example like he had a a hard experience in Formula E. It didn't go as planned, but at the end, like you, you, the career he has and what he did in the past is like it's it's amazing. And uh, so, so yeah, yeah, I have huge respect for Bruno as a driver and also as a person because he's really a good person. Hmm.
0: Uh, so you're obviously moving from um, uh, from 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 being a full time WEC driver to I think you're continuing with WEC alongside Formula E next season. Is that correct?
2: Well, uh, regarding endurance, I don't know yet uh, what's gonna the plan for me. For sure, the plan is to continue in endurance uh, alongside Formula E. But so far, I didn't, uh, I didn't sign anything yet. It's still a bit uh, early. Uh, the the main goal was to to have a good Le Mans, to finish Le Mans, to finish the adventure with Rebellion, and now I can uh, I can focus on the on the future, which is uh, coming quite quickly, Formula E. And uh, endurance will be a bit after. So, yeah, I don't want, uh, I don't aim to, to stop endurance at all because this is something I love. And for me, like, uh, uh, my goal is to, to be uh, to be in Formula E and endurance championships or WEC or whatever. IMSA as well in the US is something I, I really like. So, we are, there's discussions going on. So, I'm not really in a hurry like, to sign something like soon in endurance. I prefer to see what's going to come. Uh, and for the moment like I'm focusing on Formula E for the rest of the year because uh, in December already like uh, uh, we're going to have the test the first test at Valencia so it's going to be quite important for me to, to focus on that and endurance will come a bit after
0: so you're moving um from the longest form of motorsport to uh the form of motorsport where it, it you probably have the shortest amount of time during a race day to actually get up to speed uh th- this has been something that has um I think, been difficult for many endurance drivers coming into Formula E. Um, uh, James Colardo, for example, at Jaguar last season had uh, a, a few difficulties with the fact that, you know, as soon as you get into first practice at 7.30 in the morning you've you've got to be right on it. And uh, uh, in, in endurance racing, I think he felt that there was a bit more time to get a feel for the car and a feel for the track. Um, do you see this as being an issue you have to uh, get better at yourself as a driver and how much of your endurance experience will you be able to take to Formula E to do well there?
2: Well, to be honest, uh, single seater for me is not too far away. It's only three years ago when I, still, I was still driving in Formula 2. So, for example, in Marrakesh, uh, was quite a good test as a rookie test for me personally. Like I was jumping from the LMP1. I was coming from Austin. So with the jet lag and everything, I arrived in Marrakesh straight away on Wednesday and I jumped in the car on Sunday morning and second run already, I was doing some pretty good lap times and felt comfortable in the car. So this is something like in my career where I always have been quite good at like to be like straight away in the, in the right pace. Uh, Probably because I am not one of the guys who did like a million of laps, you know, uh, during winter. Uh, So I think at this stage of my car, it's an advantage. And especially in Formula E, uh, every lapse you get, you need to understand what's happening and learn from it because it's really, uh, really short times in the car during free practice. So I'm not really worried about it. As I say, where I can use my experience from endurance, I think it's in endurance, you need to Extract 100% of the car, but keep a bit of margin to not crash your car. And I think yeah, I need to, to keep the same mentality for Formula E because as a rookie, as I say, uh, I need to score points as much uh, as I can. If it's only a P8, sometimes will be a P8. will be better than nothing. And I think I need to keep this mentality and not like uh, go sometime for try to get one position, take too much risk for at the end to gain one point and crash a car. So it's not, uh, I think on this aspect, I will use, uh, I will use uh, the endurance mentality.
0: Last season was a bit of a challenging year for Venturi. Obviously, uh, they uh, were further behind in the Constructors' Championship than they had been uh, the previous season to that. but. Um, but then that was also their first season with the uh, customer Mercedes powertrain now this season we're going into uh, I think everyone expects Mercedes to be uh, at or near the front in terms of their works team being title contenders Um, how much of an advantage do you think it is having the customer Mercedes powertrain and uh, do you expect to spring a surprise or two with that in the back of your car
2: well, for sure, it's a huge, huge advantage for us to have a Mercedes uh, pro Train. Like they are, they showed that they were able to, to be right in the game straight away, which is great. And uh, obviously, it was the first season for them. Now it's going to be a season, second season, so for sure they will improve and learn from the mistake we did last year. And, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, team like as Venturi, for sure, like the beginning of the last season has been quite good. We were matching uh, Mercedes' performance. And in Berlin, for sure, it's been disappointing for the team. Uh, Mercedes, they showed some great plays and some great results. So, obviously, to have the support like uh, like Mercedes, for sure, it will help. Uh, we need to use uh, what they were able to, to, to give us. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for sure, like I expect Mercedes to fight for top position this year or next season, so on.
0: Um, and uh, obviously, uh, Edo Mortara has been with the team for a long, long time. Um, as 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 have you in your capacity as reserve driver. Um, I, I'm assuming you work very well together because you you told um, uh, Rob Watts uh, in a, in another interview you did recently that you played tennis together in Monaco, for example, uh, when when he visits there. Um, how important is that relationship away from the track with your teammate because there have been a lot of teammates who have been very successful in the past in spite of actually not getting along but the fact that you guys are actually friends i guess that's helpful in some way
2: to be honest i'm, I'm not really sure like we are not forcing ourselves i mean to to go play tennis together or or being friends like it's it's natural i mean like yeah, i like sports he likes sports he's a competitor i am as well so we like to go and play together uh, but i mean if we for sure for the team it's easier to manage because if you have two drivers who are fighting to each other Uh, in the team for sure the team managers and it's uh, it's something you have to to deal with and be careful a bit but for us it's not the case like uh, uh, we are doing like a session in the simulator together we are sharing information so yeah maybe it's an advantage or not i don't know how the other team works Um, and so far like uh, we're having a good relationship so it's good. Like we we keep working uh, together, and for sure, like for me, it's quite important to use like the experience of Edo. He has uh, quite a successful career in GTM before in Formula E, as he, he start to have some experience as well. And for me, everything is quite new. I would say so. It's good to have someone like him next to me.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, when I look back at your career, obviously you've had success in Formula Renault three point five, in uh, GP two, and Formula Two. Uh, but I wonder. Um, if you can pick out maybe two or three drivers who were tough competitors, who were the toughest competitors in those junior formulae, and maybe also in WEC, who would you say have been the toughest drivers to drive against? And who are, who are you proudest to have beaten if if you have?
2: Uh it's a good question actually you know like in motorsport it's never easy to say this driver is uh, is much better than the other and everything because it depends on the car and everything like it's like formula one today like to make comparison with the drivers i don't really like it because you're not in the same car not at the same time so it's never easy but i would say that uh, a guy like charles leclerc for sure uh, was my third year in formula 2 and uh, you could see that this guy has something special that's for sure. So Charles is definitely one of them. Uh, who else I'm thinking about? Uh, Stoffel van Dorm as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a good friend. I've been, uh, I started my single city career with him in Formula 4. And uh, we've been fighting together. So in Formula 4, Formula 1, 2 liters, uh, 3.5 until GP2. And uh, yeah, it's one of the men I have huge respect for. Uh, as a driver, it's uh, it's someone has always has been consistent in fighting for top positions. So I would say yes, Toffel and Charles uh, are definitely two of the drivers. Uh, I would not say impressed, but uh, and uh, yeah, it's two of the drivers where they like on track when you were following following them, you could see that they, have, they had something special.
0: Yeah, uh, Charles Leclerc, of course, had that um, awesome season in uh, Formula 2 that took him straight up into F1, uh, but uh, Stoffel um, is obviously someone that uh, everyone in F1 and Formula E knows very well. Um, he dominated that final race in Berlin, and um, I felt, and many other people felt, that it was really important that Mercedes uh, took that first win out of the, their first season as a works team. Um would you rank him as your number one title contender out of the uh, out of the drivers that we can see lined up for next season, or do you think there'll be a number of drivers competing for that uh, championship?
2: Oh, there will be. There will be numbers of drivers. I think Stoffel for sure will be one of them. Uh, Antonio Felix da Costa, I think, as well. He he showed like some great pace last year for the season. And uh, I'm pretty sure Jean-Eric Vern as well uh, wants to take back the title. Uh, so, so I don't think it will be only one driver for next season. It will be a, a great fight, and I hope that in Venturi we we can be one of them as well. Uh, but before to think about like the win, as I said, like we need to 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 learn from the mistake we did in the past to arrive to a certain point where we can consistently like score points. And I'm pretty sure like, if we make this step forward, then we will be able to play with uh, with top drivers and top teams. What's,
0: what's Susie Wolf like as a team principal? Because uh, she, she always uh, has a lot of time for the media. She always gives great answers that are very detailed. But I wonder, uh, when you're working with her day to day at the factory, uh, how much contact do you get with her um, as a boss and uh, um, what's, what's it like being in a meeting with her? What kind of a boss is she?
2: Uh, she, she's quite a cool boss, to be honest. Like it's, uh, she's been driver in the past, so she knows what's happening in the car, and uh, and it's pretty easy to 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 work with her. Like uh, we're talking driver, it's she's a boss, but we're talking like I'm talking to another driver. So when you explain her something, she understands right away what I'm talking about, and uh, it's one as well of the aspects. Like if I'm in the car today as a race driver, it's because like she. She saw like the past two years what I did to get the the seat, the motivation, the, the hours I spent in the simulator, and like she she thought that I was a best choice for the team and that I deserved the seat, because I think she she's been in this game maybe in the past, so so now to be honest, like she's uh, it's super cool to to work with Susie.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I wonder as well how important it is for the team to hire the right sort of person because uh, obviously they know that they can get along with you and that you're great with mechanics and you're great with engineers because of the tests. So how much of that do you think uh, played into their equation when it came to hiring you as a race driver?
2: Oh, for sure. It's, it's really important. I know, like, as I said, like I've been working with the team for two years and uh, to have a good relationship with everyone is important for sure. But like, at some point uh, they were pushing for me because when I had the opportunity to jump in the car or when I was testing in the simulator and developing the the system uh, I was working with the engineers like Edo's engineer or Felipe's engineers and they they could see what I was able to. So plus we had a really good relationship all together. That's why like as well, uh, for sure the team were pushing for me uh, to get the seat. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it has a huge impact. I mean, like to have a good relationship all together, like sometime, like I have the, the chance to live like near Monaco. So for me, I'm, I'm coming to, I'm coming to Monaco just to have lunch with them. You know, or sometime I go, I go do some, uh, tennis or football with them. And, uh, uh, it's, it it's always great to, to to mix fun and work because like if you always like focus on your work 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 at some point it's like you need a bit more i mean like if you want like uh, all the people in the team to deliver the best it's it's really important that you have a good relationship with everyone and uh, for me, like being in Venturi, it's like a family, and I'm I'm friends with everyone. Like uh, when well, as I say, like I have some time, like I have nothing to do, like do, during a day I'm free, so I'm just coming to see them, talk with them, having some joke, and we are not even talking about like Formula E or motorsport, I'm talking about football or about like, restaurants, but whatever. Like, and it's I think it's uh, it's an advantage for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, is, is it an advantage being with a smaller team, the fact that you can get that rapport going that perhaps you can't do if you're part of a large automaker organization? The fact that you can have that social time together with, uh, with your engineers, with your bosses, with your fellow drivers?
2: Well, it's, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Like for now, I'm in Venturi. And as I say, like I have a really good relationship with everyone so far. Everything is going quite well. The preparation is going as planned. Uh, if one day I'm making the step to with a manufacturer, uh, it will be different for sure. It's uh, every team you're going is different. So I'm not thinking about like what the others are doing. To be honest, I'm just focusing on what we are doing, what I can improve, what they can improve, and and uh, the, at the end, what we want it's the best result. So. No matter like uh, if you're doing this uh, this way of working or another way of working, like uh, at the end, it's like the the result we do and tra- the results we do and track will be the most important. Uh,
0: final question, because I'm sure you've got lots of things to do today, uh, and uh, I appreciate the time you spent with me as well. Um, I, I want to note, because uh, we have talked a little about the Mercedes Powertrain and how it could be an advantage for you this season, but uh, just generally speaking about being a customer team now. Uh, there are obviously, obviously disadvantages because the the works team will have uh, the, the earliest knowledge of that powertrain. But are there any advantages to being a customer versus being a team that has to build its own powertrain, do you think?
2: Well, for sure. Like, for example, the Mercedes driver, they get like uh, quite a lot of uh, uh, track time uh, to develop the powertrain that we don't uh so this is something like when you arrive to Santiago, uh, they will maybe uh, stoffel and uh, nick they would have done like six or seven days in the car when uh, edo and myself would be only one day so for sure this is an advantage but at some point we are not mercedes and as i say we are lucky to to be working and to have this kind of portrait on the car because for sure i'm pretty sure this year will be uh, even stronger the portrait and the system will be even stronger than last year and uh, so far we are doing a good job. So this is what it is today, for sure. I would like to have more track time, but this is not possible. So I'm just doing what the team can give me today, and uh, I have to I have to do the best with what I have
0: absolutely uh thank you very much norman this has been thank really you. really interesting for me and i wish you luck uh, next season it's only 75 days away i think so not that long. exactly i don't
2: know exactly but yeah it's, uh, it's coming quite quickly so that's why we are flat out working on everything and uh, i can't wait to start the season
0: when Felipe Massa came into Formula E he was um, obviously the person that Formula E used in their marketing particularly around Saudi Arabia and uh, he was uh, the driver who was seen as you know, potentially, uh, thanks to his F1 experience of almost winning the 2008 title, uh, potentially seen as a contender. And I think that we were very quickly disabused of that idea because um, he was very obviously slower and less consistent than Mortara, um, who himself had his issues with with consistency uh, last season and the season before. But um, I just wonder how valuable Massa's contribution really has been to the team because they certainly haven't moved forward with his contribution. I guess uh his profile has added something to the team's um um monetizability, but has he brought anything else in his two seasons with the team, do you think?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't uh, necessarily pin, you know, the contribution that uh Felipe has potentially given to the team down to, you know, performance, but I think that Drivers are also very useful in building team identity and team spirit. And uh, I think that Felipe is one of those guys uh, in motor racing in general that can really build a team behind him uh and you know inspire everyone around him to work together um with a common goal so i would say that felipe might have given a pretty solid contribution to the morals of the team and i think this also kind of reflects into the choice of norman nato um like we've known because um we've heard rumors about it that actually many very interesting and even higher profile drivers uh, have expressed their their interest and their excitement about Formula E. And Venturi had one of the very few uh, free seats available. And, you know, with its reputation in Formula e, I I wouldn't be surprised if Venturi was actually approached by, by other drivers. Uh, and I think the choice of going with Norman Nato can actually be pinned down to this idea that maybe has been implanted by Felipe Massa about, you know, continuity and consistency within the team structure.
0: Right. And um, yes, uh, one thing that Norman Nato mentions in the interview, which uh, we'll hear in a moment, is that... uh, he already has that great relationship with his engineers, thanks to the testing he's done with the team. And uh, he's already been in their simulator an innumerable number of times. So, um... Do you think now with Formula E being so professional and with with a a small automaker team such as Venturi being up against, you know, the big OEMs, do do they need someone realistically? uh, And do all smaller teams need someone who's been in that bubble for a bit longer um, and has really got to know the people around him already?
1: Well... I think that in general regardless of the of the you know actual scale of the formulary operation uh, the electric series like definitely needs someone to to already have experienced um a lot of what it's like to drive those cars uh, even if it's just in the simulator because I think that we've had plenty of examples uh Felipe included Uh, of drivers who are actually like undoubtedly very talented drivers who shine in so many other categories but just have such a difficult time adapting to Formula E because it's truly like a completely different experience and a completely you know it's it's on another planet really so I think that in these times especially and when competing for an actual world championship uh, if I were a team owner, I would definitely go with someone who's had a fair share of Formula E experience already. Um, I mean, even in the in the last season, of course, we've seen Felipe, but I think one of those examples of people who are usually very, very quick, like blisteringly quick, but couldn't adapt as quickly into Formula E, has been uh, Jaguar's James Calado, um, which should be out of the grid for uh, the 2021 season being replaced in Jaguar by Sam Bird uh like the guy is a three-time Le Mans winner uh and definitely one of the brightest stars in the in the GTE world uh but it just couldn't be as quick uh in um, in a Formula E car and yeah so I definitely agree that experience uh, with electric racing at this moment uh, I think he's preferred and should be preferred by teams over, you know, having that high-profile name.
0: Yeah, um, James Collado is an interesting name to bring up. Um, he seemed to me, obviously, you have been around him a lot more than me through your coverage of GT racing, but he seems to me to be um, a quite introspective, uh, intelligent guy who may be um, um, perhaps had the kind of personality that meant he was not always kind of bright and outgoing and when he was feeling down in the middle of the season about his performances maybe he showed that so maybe there is something in the whole thing of uh bringing a a kind of a positive outgoing personality to a team as well like you said a minute ago
1: Honestly, like I have to agree with your depiction of uh, Clado's personality. As far as I've known him in uh, in GT racing as well, uh, it's pretty much the way he handles, um, you know, being in the public eye and uh, being within a team. Like, he's not a guy who's going to mince his words if he doesn't like how things are being carried out within the team. Uh, which personally, that is something that I can appreciate in a driver and. You know, I don't like those kinds of those kinds of you know always the good guy uh, type of drivers, uh, which definitely exists and can definitely have a positive impact on a team. Um, but yeah, probably that wasn't what Jaguar needed at that point, and arguably, probably in Formula E, uh, it isn't something that anyone actually needs. Also considering that the scale of operations. Is way, way smaller. So, you know, building um, a team and building a relationship with the people you're with in the paddock is so, so important. Um, but anyway, speaking about, you know, Le Mans and uh, GT experience, and anyway, you know, being in the World Endurance Championship paddock, uh, Nato also brings that kind of experience to the Formula E paddock again. Like, he certainly isn't the first guy coming from WEC. Uh, Into Formula E, like the vast majority of his colleagues um, mostly had experience in WEC and then came into into Formula E. But he's been an LMP2 driver for the past, uh, I think, three or four seasons. And we've seen how prototype drivers have adapted very quickly to Formula E racing. So I think we should also take that into consideration.
0: What do you think it is that uh, makes prototype drivers so ideally suited on occasions to Formula E? Because obviously Nato is one of the best. He he was in the winning car twice last season with Bruno Senna in in Rebellion Racing. So what, what is it that allows them to adapt so quickly?
1: Yeah, actually, forgot he's not only like driving LMP2 as I was saying, but as you rightly pointed out, he has joined LMP1 for the for the current season. Actually, basically replacing um, replacing Andre Lotterer, uh, which has forsaken his uh, WEC duties in the in the past season to focus solely on Formula E with Porsche. Um, the thing about you know GT and prototype drivers into uh, being so quick into Formula E, I don't think it really um, stems down to to the car, especially because you know when you interview uh, drivers who have done prototype racing and Formula E racing, they will all agree that those cars have absolutely nothing in common. Um, I think that probably like the only thing that NATO could bring into the table is probably, I don't know, the hybrid technology of Toyota, but again, there's little to no transfer of knowledge into, into Formula E. The thing is that usually in the GT and the prototype world, you have to adapt. To a di- very different cars very quickly like these guys usually tend to go from i don't know gt3 cars to lmp2s to lmp1 to gte cars like in the span of i don't know a couple of months because that's how you know the gt and endurance uh, motor racing world works so i think yeah they they bring in to the table some kind of flexibility that formula drivers usually don't have
0: and thinking about venturi more generally obviously we've talked about this is going to be a very hard season for all formula e teams because of the compressed season because of the ch- the need for a for a for a calendar that starts in january and uh, also because of the financial situation for auto manufacturers but um venturi have made some changes they have a new factory uh, which is also in monaco uh, and They have just hired Jerome D'Ambrosio as deputy team principal to Susie Wolfe. Now, um, I looked at this and I thought, well, obviously, D'Ambrosio is the ideal person to get in if you want someone with recent Formula E experience who's also old enough to be respected as a team principal uh, figure. But that's with the exception of formula e experience that's kind of what susie wolf already brought to the table and i i just wondered why um why d'ambrosio was brought in not for example um a kind of elder statesman figure like i don't know a frederick Vasseur figure although of course he's in formula one so probably wouldn't go to fe but that kind of profile of person um why do you think they've chosen d'ambrosio and um is it a prudent choice in your opinion
1: Well, I think that, you know, from uh, Jerome's perspective, I would definitely say that this was the most, uh, you know, graceful way to live a competitive racing while still remaining in the Formula E paddock. Um, The thing is that I would agree with you that uh, moving directly into a deputy team principal role from Venturi's perspective, on the other hand, um, can be seen as quite, I don't know, risky. It's uh, daring at some point. Uh, but the problem is that I think that, you know, on-track experience specifically is extremely rare in Formula Re. Like, of course, we have, uh, you know, Marrakesh testing. And believe me, when you when you speak to junior drivers or anyway, you know, younger drivers involved in other categories, like they will all agree with you that they would kill for a place. Into into rookie tests for Formulary. E. Um, in general, like again, as we stated many many times before, and this is something that I think everyone can agree with. Um, Formulary e is just such a different word, and uh, for for now, it's a niche reality. There aren't many people bringing a wealth of experience in terms of Formulary. E. And uh, I think that, you know, of those drivers made available uh, in the past season, Jerome was definitely like the safest choice. And I wouldn't even, uh, you know, just exclude the the fact and the possibility that Susie Wolfe might actually leave the role uh, maybe not this season but maybe next season i mean her involvement with mercedes and with the dare to be different program and the women in motorsport commission i think that could become uh, more and more relevant um, as the year goes by so yeah i think this could be actually a wise choice for the future maybe you know considering a replacement for susie
0: at some point, I suppose we have to uh, sort of judge the legacy of Susie Wolfe and judge um, her as as a team principal. Um, everyone who speaks to her says that she's incredibly switched on. That she's she's one of the she's one of the best brains in the paddock, uh, and um, she really understands um, what's needed in order to run the team. Um, it's probably not it's it's a number of circumstances obviously as we've discussed that have meant venturi haven't been um always fighting uh for podiums like they'd like to be um including just um the fact that there are much bigger fish in the pond now than there were in season seasons one two and three but at what point do we judge susie wolf and how do we judge her um legacy for the team
1: well, I think that as much as, again, I'm certainly not, you know, the number one Venturi supporter and I can re- recognize the, the limitations and the, um, the faults within the team. I think that, you know, most of what constitutes uh, Susie Wolf's legacy into, into Formerie is also like a string of generally bad luck. Um, We've seen many races in which both Mortara and Massa uh, were actually able to compete for much higher positions, uh, but then, you know, luck completely failed them. Um, Another thing that I really don't think really depends on Susie Wolf. Of course, she's a team principal, so uh, kind of every single responsibility falls on her. But I wouldn't say that the reliability of the Venturi powertrain, which sometimes lacked, can actually be, you know, pinpointed down to to, to Susie Wolff. Uh, one aspect which I think that was something on which she could have been better even just in you know um, implementing a different teamwork strategy and being maybe a bit harsher with the right people has been uh, some incredibly silly strategy errors i remember i think it was as the start of uh, season 6 or maybe the end of season 5 honestly after covid 19 uh, you know the months have been kind of blurry all blur together. Uh, yeah exactly uh, but we've seen at least a couple of times, if not like three or four times, uh, that either one of the drivers couldn't finish the race um, because of energy management. That I think like it's, it's such a clear mistake fra- coming from the pit wall, which is not something that I think like a serious contender for the championship uh, can actually allow to happen. Like we haven't seen this happen to to Audi, for example.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Motion E podcast. Uh, And um, if you would like to uh, get more of this, then please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio from. Uh, You can also support Motion E on Patreon, and uh, that is a big part of what makes uh, what we're doing here viable. So thank you for those who are already doing that. And uh, for as little as a dollar or euro a month, you can get some pretty good content there. So Aurora, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about Venturi. And um, hopefully we'll have another one of these where we focus on a particular team very soon. So we'd love to have you back uh, if you're free then as well.
1: Thank you very much, Stuart. And it's always a pleasure for me.